The Chris Hahn Show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. This is The Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host. Chris Hahn, the truth is on the air. And truthfully, tonight, America, I'm back. I'm live. 631 451 1039 is my number. If you want to be part of the national conversation tonight, 631 451 1039 at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. If you want to tweet at me during the show, if you don't want to hear your voice on the radio, I know how that goes. 631 451 1039 is my number. And I'm live, and let's talk tonight, America. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. It's been a crazy news week. Uh, obviously, the president uh, wanted to start a war with Canada and wanted to make peace with North Korea this week. The world's turned upside down, for those of you who have uh, watched Hamilton or listened to the soundtrack. Uh, the world has turned upside down. And we have a president of the United States, America, who values the strength of brutal dictators over the values of America. And we have a Republican Party that is being called a cult by its own members. And it is a cult of personality. I I meant to tell you, Mike, to download that song as a bumper tonight, the cult of personality, the big band from the uh, the, the 90s, or maybe it was the 80s. That was the 90s. 90s, Living Color was the band. I'm the cult of personality. That's our one big song. Um, This president is without a doubt a cult of personality, America. There is no doubt in my mind that Donald J. Trump president is uh, exactly what that song was singing about. You know, they, they, uh, they bring up Kennedy, they bring up Roosevelt, they bring up Reagan in that song, and Clinton to an extent. Uh, maybe not Clinton. Uh, it might have been before Clinton's time. But they, they bring up, uh, you know, some great political speech makers. And, and, and you, know, I, you know, without a doubt, Kennedy was probably one of the best in Roosevelt and Reagan. They were all fantastic orators who can move people to do things through their words, even things that might have been against their interests. But we have a president right now, America, like I have never seen before. We have a president right now who has his party in the palm of his hand. He is more popular among Republicans than any president ever. Okay, more popular among his own party than any president ever. Let that sink in for you for a minute. More popular than Reagan ever was among Republicans when Reagan was at his most popular. More popular than Clinton ever was with Democrats when Clinton was at his most popular. Clinton, Clinton was at like 67% nationally at some point in his presidency. And uh, Donald Trump was more po- is right now more popular among Republicans than Clinton was a- among Democrats. And Donald Trump is at 40 generously at 42% nationally among all Americans. But Republicans eat up his tripe no matter how he serves it. If the president says Canada bad, North Korea good, the Republican Party says, yes, sir, you're right. Canada bad, North Korea good. Who cares about the G7? Oh, the president's making a deal with North Korea. 
Oh, and we're going to stop our military exercises there because Vladimir Putin told President, Cl- President Trump it would be a good idea. America, there's something really, really wrong here. The president, again, now when he was on the campaign trail, he said something that most people took as a faux pas, saying, well, Americans kill people. We have killers, too. And when he was being told, when he was being asked about Putin, he was praising Putin. And uh, America, you know, Trump said, you know, you don't think we have killers here? You don't think we've killed people? Meanwhile, Putin kills his political opponents in the street. He kills reporters who dare to report on what he's doing. So on his way back from North Korea, he was being interviewed by Brett Baer of Fox News. And he again praised Kim's tough style. Tough. And Brett Baer pressed him on it. He said, this man has killed people. He killed his brother. He killed his uncle. The man has killed people to consolidate his own power in North Korea. And the president of the United States did not flinch at that and continued to praise Kim Jong-un. Now, I get the fact that the president is trying to secure a deal with Kim. And I get that. And, and I said on television, I hope he gets a good deal with North Korea. And we avoid a nuclear conflict in North Korea. But I don't think this president has brought home a good deal. I think the president has brought home a good photo op for Kim. But I don't think it's a good deal. Yet. Let's hope it becomes a good deal. I don't know that it will become a good deal. But the president on Air Force One, the president of the United States, who represents the values of the United States, suggesting that Kim Jong-un did a good job at the age of 27 when he consolidated power in North Korea, including killing people, including sending thousands to die of starvation, including putting people in the gulag, including, by the way, imprisoning Americans on trumped-up charges, and one of whom died a year ago today. America, I get it. We've got to talk to our enemies and try to make peace with them. I get it. But you don't praise their dictatorial style when you're president of the United States. Even when President Obama went to Cuba to open up and normalize relations with Cuba, And he met with Juan Castro. The president said, we have many differences. Right there with Castro in the room. But we've got to start to work things out. And I get that. We've got to start to work things out with North Korea. Their people are starving and suffering and they have nuclear weapons. So I was never opposed. And mark my word, you know, look it up, America. Look up my appearances on Fox. Listen to my past radio shows. I was never opposed to the president meeting with Kim Jong-un. Never. Not once. I am opposed to his game show style of let's make a deal and let's support everything this guy does, including killing to control power. What does that say about this man that he would praise that? What does this say? Does this not scare you? Does this not chill you to the bone that the president of the United States would praise Kim Jong-un for killing people? He had a tough style. He had a tough style. 
You know, not only one in a million could do this at the age of 27, only one in a million, Mike, only one in a million people could kill and seize power. That is sick, America. That is not something we expect to hear from the president of the United States. We expect the president of the United States to stand against that. Maybe brush off the question. I get it. You're trying to make peace right now. And the president could say something like, look, I'm trying to make peace right now. I can't solve all the problems in North Korea. I can't change Kim Jong-un. But I want to make peace. 631-451-1039. I'm going to go to the phones. I'm going to go to Joe in Brookhaven. Joe, how you doing? Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. Oh, good. Good to talk to you. Have Joe, you. wait a minute. Are you going to tell me how Hillary Clinton messed up Kim Jong-un and she's responsible for killing Kim Jong-un's uncle? No, she, let's not even get into Hillary. Hillary, you keep saying like, Hil, Hillary, uh, she's a mess. She, 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 no, she killed people in Benghazi. I think you've got a thing. I think you've got a thing for her. She's all you ever think about. So, yeah, what's on your mind? She's evil. She's evil, but that she's history. She's past. You even thrown her out of the Democratic Party. I have. But, uh, keep, I didn't throw her out of the party. Saying, I just said she's she, past. That exactly. Well, she's uh, you know, poison to you guys now. What's but on your so mind, Bill, my man? So Bill, but you keep saying, I get it. You don't get it. President Trump is the greatest. He's going to go down as the greatest president this country ever had. He's going to be uh, the greatest president ever to serve time in a federal penitentiary if he keeps going the way he's going. That's never going to happen. Now, he's the first president to ever meet with a North Korean president. You can't go in there. I mean, he's trying to stop. So, Chris, do you, do you want nuclear war? No, look. What do you Hey, want? Joe. I, I have always said, Joe, I have always said I support this meeting. I've always said it. Okay. I, all right. But I don't, I don't, I don't support giving away the store and I don't support the president praising this guy's thug like tactics of killing people, including his own family members. Yeah. Chris, what store did he give away? Yeah, well, he's. We're, we're not going to do military exercise. We're going to cancel our military exercises there, which is very important. I agree. What's not important? Come on. Do we need? We can fly the B. It's going to save a ton of money. Do we need them? Would you a like a ton Russian of money? We're saving gas. We already have the B fifty twos. Chris, would you like Russia and China or for Long Island here? Would you like them having war games with Mexico? Come on, a Russian ship past. Uh, four miles, how many, 40 miles? We have a like, duty to protect South Korea and Japan. We have a treaty with them. We can't do that? We, we can't do uh, that? You know what? We, we have that being prepared, game? being prepared and training is very important. You ask any military person, I've talked to a few the last couple of days, you ask any military professional, they will tell you that these exercises are important. Uh, uh, all right, they're not as important as thought. The guy was just threatening to shoot over Japan, nuclear weapons, six I, months ago. And I, I get it. You were on record saying that you wanted to stop that, right? That, I, oh, I, uh, look, I get it. I'm, I'm all for it. But you got to get something in return. It can't just be a photo op. Can't just be a photo op. He can win. Chris, we can win. It can be a win-win. I hope, Joe. Your lips to the God's ear. Joe, your lips. about love and peace. You're, you're. Your lips to God's ears, but let's let let's stop praising the dictator. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. A little later on tonight, I got a special guest in studio, Bob Keeler. He's a former columnist for Newsday in New York, and uh, his uh, work can be read all over the country in various other magazines, and he's written articles. We're going to talk about why evangelicals still support this president. 
631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. 631-451-1039. Saturday night, I'll be in my regular slot on uh, Justice with Judge Janine Pirro. Uh, Saturday night is, uh, is, if you want to pick that up, Saturday night, uh, Justice with Judge Janine Pirro, and I'll be on about 930 um, and a little later on, uh, again, I got Bob Keeler. You can tweet at me at Christopher Hahn. Monday night, I'll be on Tucker at eight o'clock, 631-451-1039. Mike, 631-451-1039 is the number. If you want to be part of the national conversation, 631-451-1039. You're missing them. You're missing them. You got too much to do. Mike's too busy. He's working on the Biddleman show, which you can see, you could hear Saturday night, Sunday night, Sunday night, 7.30, 7.30 PM, Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, Mike. Uh, Biddleman talking about rock and roll, rock and roll music, Long Island activities, lifestyle. When are you having Randy Jackson on? Uh, probably end of the summer. I'm still trying to get in contact with his people. His he lives in Setauket. He lives on Strathmore Lane right. in Setauket. I, I don't know. You him probably personally. could see him like walking his dog. He's the only rock star, skinny, tall guy with long hair. He's a little older he now. Like. He's in his fifties. I met him once. Yeah, he's walking his dog on Strathmore Village Drive in Setauket. <laughs> I'm telling you, just go hang out there around eight o'clock gotcha. in the morning. You'll Thought. find Randy. He's there. Deal. There every day, and he plays. I think he plays every um, Wednesday night at some bar in Port Jeff, Port Jeff Station. Really? He plays by himself, plays his 12-string guitar. He's awesome. He's probably awesome. For it. He's awesome. He's yeah. right there. 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. 631-451-1039 is my number. I am live, and I am taking your calls if you want to be part of this conversation. But this is the thing, America. The president can't just make these outrageous claims about what he what happened there. You know, the president goes into a room. It's unprecedented, America. This this it's unprecedented to have a president of the United States sit in a room with another foreign leader with just their interpreters. Nobody taking notes. Nobody determining what was actually said, what was promised. So now each side could come out and have their own interpretation of the meeting. That's what this president has done. I, I, for one, I, I don't trust what he said. I don't understand what actually happened there. Now, I want to believe that something good is going to come out of this. I am hoping for something good to come out of this. But I've got to see that. I have got to see that. Trust, but verify, America. The president needs to absolutely make sure we have verifiable gains. If they are going to promise to get rid of their 60 nuclear weapons and close down their plutonium facilities and, their, and, and everything they have there, all that infrastructure they have created to create nuclear bombs, we've got to be able to check that, America. Now, the standard, I guess, is higher than the Iran deal. The president of the United States has to have a deal with North Korea that I think is better, bigger, stronger than the deal that we made with Iran. Because the president said it was one of the worst deals ever. I'm going to tear it up when I get it in. The president has walked away from the Iran deal. The Iran deal, which had multiple layers of inspections and multiple penalties for, uh, for disregarding uh, the rules of that deal. And the Iranians actually gave, a, gave up 
lot of their nuclear material, almost all of their all of their nuclear material, anything they could have made a bomb with, they gave it up. The president's like, we gave them billions of dollars. We gave them money that we had been holding. We seized from them in the 70s. We gave it back. It was their money. It wasn't our money. As part of this deal. So what is the structure going to look like in North Korea? Now, um, you know, when they negotiated this deal with Iran, they had a guy named Ernie Moniz sitting at the table. He was the Secretary of Energy. He won the Nobel Prize for nuclear physics. He was a world-renowned nuclear physicist who sat at the table and was able to call the Iranians out on anything they tried to mess around with because he knew what, was talking, what he was talking about. I saw the meeting with Kim. I saw who was at the table. There was no nuclear physicist. You had the president. You had his chief of staff, who last time I checked, didn't get a nuclear physicist degree. You had uh, John Bolton, who I know is just an attorney. And you had the secretary of state, who uh, I know is just an attorney as well. Both Harvard attorneys, yes, great, well-trained attorneys. But none of them understand physics and nuclear physics. So we have a president of the United States making a deal without any real expertise at the table. I don't know what kind of deal they made. I don't know what kind of verification we're going to have. I know that they came out of there with a nice statement. But there is something extra that has to go into this. The president is, look, let's be clear, America. The president doesn't prepare. The president is an improv comic, okay? He goes there and he just reacts to whatever's in front of him. He doesn't sit down with a briefing book and understand what exactly he needs to get. He goes in there and he reacts. He's supremely confident in his own abilities. For a man who has failed as much as he has to be that confident, there's something really strange about that. But the president goes in there with his confidence and without any real preparation, without any real knowledge of nuclear physics or what they got to get rid of, what it means to totally disarm. I mean, is the president going to agree to remove our troops from the North and South Korean border and just leave the South completely vulnerable to be overrun? So I, I, I want something good to happen here, and I think everybody in America wants something good to happen here. But we've got to make sure we're getting what we need here, getting what's going to keep that region secure. Not to look, the, the North Koreans have scammed every president that's tried to deal with them. Clinton tried to deal with them. Obama tried to deal with them. Reagan tried to deal with them. Bush first, the first Bush tried to deal with them. They've all been scammed. All of them have been scammed. They have been told that they were going to disarm. They've been told they were going to stop testing. And then six months later, they're testing. Now, I'm really worried about what happens when they start testing again with this president. What is his option going to be? How will he react? Will he just launch a strike against them? What will he do? 
What did he say to Kim in that private meeting? These are all questions that have to be answered, America. We can't just blindly trust. The cult that follows Donald Trump can't just follow along blindly here. Because trust me, that's what they're doing right now. They are following. All right, I'm going to take your calls on the other side of the break. 631-451-1039. You're listening to The Chris Hodge Show. I'll be right back. Conservatives, listen up. The truth is on the air. The Chris Hahn Show. All right. I am back and I am live. 631-451-1039. I'm taking your calls. A little later on, Bob Keeler, former columnist at Newsday, will be joining me in studio. Uh, We'll be talking about evangelicals and some other stuff. Uh, Bob's a great guy. He's got a lot of great ideas. Uh, 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. Don't forget, catch me Saturday night, uh, my regular slot on Fox News on uh, Justice with Judge Janine. And I'll be on with Tucker Carlson this Monday uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. And actually, I'll be on Laura Ingram Monday in the 10 o'clock hour. I'll be on Tucker on Tuesday in the 8 o'clock hour. But right now, it's 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Charlie in Wading River. Charlie, how you doing? Okay, hey, then I need you to explain. What do you mean by the, the cult that voted for him? Well, no, not the cult that voted for him, but the Republican well, the Party. That that, the, the Republican Party in, uh, and you got to lower your radio, the Republican Party in Congress. Congress has a distinct role in the Constitution, and it is to provide, one of the things it's supposed to do is provide a check on the president. We have got an amen, hallelujah chorus in Congress right now, and uh, it wasn't me that said it. It was Bob Corker. Uh, who is a Republican senator who uh, who said that this is a cult. In fact, I'll play the clip for you right now. Play number two for me, Mike. We're in a strange place. I mean, it's almost, uh, uh, you know, been a, it's becoming a cultish thing, isn't it? Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good place for any party to, to end up with a cult-like Situation as it relates to uh, to to a president that uh, happens to be of purportedly of the, of the same parties. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that everybody's worried about here, right? Are they? You know, the Republican Party has become a cult. They just follow blindly uh, the president of the United States, I, and that's that's I what I'm talking about. I believe the Republican. I'm sorry, I have to disagree with him. And if you agree with him, I have to disagree with you. I do not believe the Republican Party nor the Conservative Party. Are following him blindly. I think what they're doing is they're liking some of the things that's going on. All right. And he has taken his country from almost a third world country under President Obama. Oh, that's ridiculous. Lifting us up. I, I've been it's to Wading River. They have roads there. They have some nice restaurants. It's definitely not yeah, a third world country. Even after eight years, I'm sorry, even after eight <laughs> years, Obama couldn't destroy the country. We were too good for uh, Okay. All right. But I tell you yeah. what, right now. Yeah, but you, you, but you just said, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie you just said that Obama turned us into a third world country. That is nonsense. The first 
thing. In fact, in fact, but for medicine. but for Obama, Social, but for Obama, we probably would be a third idea. world country. Our economy was going you nowhere. So? This man helped turn oh, it around. Oh, and you're saying he called it a, he created a third world country here? I'm sorry. I have been to Wading River. They have one of the best diners in America. You're out of your mind. 631-451-1039 is the number. I mean, Mike, you've been to Wading River, right? They got a pretty nice French restaurant there. <laughs> I've been there multiple times. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not. My parents actually live in Wading River. There, uh, there is, there is, there is, there's nothing wrong. It's a third world country, Wading River. Uh, I'm sorry. We shut down the nuclear power plant right next to it, uh, and it, it kind of looks like a third world country. In fact, it was used uh, in the movie Borat. Not Borat. Um, there was some movie, The Dictator. It was in the movie. It was the guy who did Borat. He yeah, did a Sasha movie Baron called Cohen. The Dictator, yeah. and uh, and they used uh, they used the nuclear power plant as his country. Uh, but oh, six right three, there? yeah, right there. Oh, that's cool. They filmed it right that. there. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. And it was the funny thing where they had the missile coming up and the goats were around it. <laughs> that's third world country for you. Yeah, no, he is the president of the United States is trying to turn us into a banana republic, and Republicans are helping him. Okay, banana Republicans are helping him. Guys who are are, are, uh, are seeking re-election are helping him by just being the amen choir. I'm sorry. I have been around a long time, America. I have seen people question the president, even presidents of their own party. The president of the United States says things like it was, you know, the guy's tough because, you know, he killed people. I, I would expect some Republicans other than people retiring uh, from uh, from uh, from from speaking out to speak out against this. When the president says, uh, ra- you know, uh, you know, racist marching and chanting blood and soil are fine people, I expect Republicans to speak out. That's what Bob Corker is saying about the Republican Party becoming a cult. What are they going to do when the cult leader's not there in, 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 in six years or maybe even four years? What are they going to do? I get it. They're all worried that this fired up base is going to defeat them in a primary. I get it. But what about America? What about their role under the Constitution of the United States of America? What about that? What about their role under Article 1 to be a check on Article 2? All these people in the Federalist Society who've never read the Federalist Papers. Maybe they should sit down and read it. Maybe they should understand that ambition needs to counteract ambition in this country or the Republic is doomed to fail. And I will tell you this again, America. Listen to me and hear me well. The question you need to ask people running for office, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I do not endorse candidates. I don't even endorse a party. But here's the question you must ask. Are you going to be a proper check on the president? And if the answer is no, if the answer is I support the president, blah, 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 blah then that person cannot and should not get your vote. You need to vote for people who are going to be a proper balance to the power of the presidency, 
Right now, we have a Congress that's a bunch of sheep, a bunch of lemmings. Yes, sir, Mr. President. What else can I do for you, Mr. President? Oh, thank you for the conservative judges, Mr. President. Thank you for destroying the EPA. Oh, we'll trade everything for that. I mean, evangelical Christians sitting by while the president of the United States takes women who are breastfeeding their children and pulls the baby away from the mother. Lemmings. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-Mike-451-1039 is my number. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up your phone and give me a call. I'm going to try to calm down if I take a caller because, I mean, I'm fired up. Obama turned the country into a third world country. I mean, Mike, Mike, you've, I, I've been all over this country. I don't think it's anything like a third. I've been to third world countries too. It's nothing like a third world country, America. And by the way, Obama turned it around. 631-451-1039. In fact, Nelson from Miller Place is on the line. I was actually thinking of the Heritage Diner in Miller Place as one of the good diners I like. There's also great places to eat in Wading River. Don't get me wrong. Nelson, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm glad to see you finally thanking uh, the, the president for some of his uh, policies. I'm thanking him? <laughs> yeah, you just said, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Didn't you say this? Did I hear you wrong? Didn't you I, say thank you? I was thanking President Obama. <laughs> yeah. I'm hey, longing listen, uh, for the day, baby. I miss the man. Every time I see yeah. him on TV, I get choked up. I bet you do. So I what's on you your do. mind, I love, Nelson? I love, I love seeing Obama on TV because I can turn him off. <laughs> what's on your mind? Listen, if you go to some of these places in Queens and Brooklyn and Bronx, it does look like a third world country. Nelson, me, the places in there. Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx have looked exactly the same my entire life. Okay. Oh, no, they have not. Oh, oh they haven't? Or, or why? Because Renaissance. It's getting better. <laughs> if anything, it's getting better. But then it just moves to another can I Can I tell you something? If anything, the outer boroughs of New York have gotten better in the last 10 years. It's nonsense to think that they've gotten worse. I mean, please. Uh, you've got to go through. Uh, you know what? If you want to take a ride in one day, I'll show you some places in Queens. You will not even know that you're in America. Nelson. Yeah, there are some neighborhoods in Queens that, that definitely celebrate their ethnicity, and that has been the case for no, 100 years. Listen, I work in those areas, and I have to go in those areas. Yes. And it's not about celebrating ethnicity. Uh, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll say it in English this time. Ethnicity. Okay. Let me let me ask you this. Do you stop for lunch in those places? You know what? A lot of times I'm not even welcome in those places. To tell you the stop. Truth. Do you stop? I, I know right now, Nelson, you have a favorite place to go for lunch in Queens where the people don't speak English, but the food is freaking great. Tell me you don't. Listen, I'm in this. Tell me now. you I don't, Nelson. If you're spending that much time in if you're spending that much time in Queens. I am guaranteeing you know a good place to go and get a nice bowl of noodles. I'm telling you, you do. You got a dumpling house that you love, that you talk about all the time. Tell me what it is. City Field. City Field. Well, that's your big problem. That's your problem right there. You're a Met fan. I should have known. 631. Root for the Major League team that plays in the Bronx. 631-451-1039 is my number. Nelson and Miller Place. I am sure. He didn't want to admit it. But I had him stopped there, Mike. I had him stopped. You know, as well as I do, he knows a place in Queens 
where he gets his noodles. Everybody who goes to Queens that much knows a good noodle house. You better. In fact, there's one by me in Stony Brook that is, a, that is like the second shop of a guy from Flushing. And it's called China Station. And, I'm, and they're not an advertiser of me. Uh, I'm not eating noodles right now. As you can tell, I'm slimming down. Uh, but when I do eat noodles... Where is it? It's, it's on the corner. It's on uh, 25A right by the train station. Oh, right across the street? Yeah, yeah, right across the street. Well... Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Go there. It'll change your life. Yeah? And it'll put 50 pounds on you. That's I, I probably gained 15 pounds this year just eating at China Station. Okay? Really? It, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's amazing stuff. And, 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 you know, very few people in there speak in English. Big noodle and, guy. And, and it's, noodle it's guy. just, you know, who cares? Do I got to do my diner analogy again? Do I got to tell you that, yes, the first generation that comes here, they're going to be, you know, they're going to still have their cultures from the old country, but then it's going to get incorporated into this country. Do I got to tell you how diners used to be greasy spoons? And uh, Jewish immigrants in the 1920s and 30s and 40s started working there. Then they added their food to the menu. You get good kosher deli. You get a good matzo ball soup at, a, at, at any New York diner. And then in the uh, 60s and 50s, the Greeks started working in the kitchens, and then they bought the diner. That's why you could get Greek food at diners, and all the diners seem to be Greek diners now. And now you're starting to see... Asian and Latino people buying the diners, Mike. You're starting to see those people buy those diners and starting to be involved. And you're starting to see Mexican and Asian food on the menu. That's why you can get anything you want at a diner. America, that's a good thing. That is a really, really good thing. This Joe again? We had him. We had Joe already tonight. I'm going to take a flag. Let's see what Joe has to say. Joe, you already called. I, I can't get enough of you, man. You're my biggest I, fan. What's that? You're my biggest fan. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. You're a fan. You're Are you me. not entertained? You have a picture of Barack Obama when I see on Judge Janine behind you. I'm writing a book. It's called... Barack Obama, failed president, worst president America. Let me tell you something, Joe, and I'm going to let you go. Joe, you'd be in poverty but for Barack Obama. All these guys, they, they forget that in 2008, the stock market had crashed. It was at like 6,000. We had almost 11% unemployment when Barack Obama took office. We had 4.8% when he left office. Okay, so let me just, let me put the measuring stick out there, all you Trump fans, okay? Trump took office with a stock market in the 20,000 range, 22,000, 23,000, something like that. And it has gone up since he's been there. He had 4.9% unemployment. He's got 4.6% or 4.5% right now. That's really good. But that was the trend that he inherited. It's all on him now. Everything that happens from 2018 on is on him. Your first year as president, it's really on the other guy, the economy. Let me give you another stat. Gasoline. When Obama gave Trump the keys to the White House, gasoline was about $2.50 a gallon on average around this nation, maybe $2.25. It is well above $3 a gallon now, America. So I don't know what you got in a tax break. You know, if you're a middle-income American, maybe you're saving $45 a year on your taxes under Trump. 
but you are paying that back probably every month on your gasoline bill, maybe even more, depending on how much you drive. And that's all on him. It's all his policies. It is his foreign policy. His policy ripping up the Iran deal, his policy towards the Middle East has created more tension there that has raised the price of oil. You might have seen me talking about this on the Tucker Carlson show a couple of weeks ago, where, I conf- where Tucker looked confused and started laughing. I was trying to explain to him the difference between commodity prices and taxes. Got written up in a couple of places. 631-451-1039 is my number. I've got Bob Keeler coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to be talking about the role of the church and evangelicals. We're going to be talking about, uh, Bob has this book he's writing about the worship of the military. We're going to talk about that too. Uh, Bob's a great guy. He's been a guest before. Uh, I've known Bob a real long time. He was one of the great uh, op-ed writers at Newsday, and uh, I'm really lucky to have him in here. And of course, I'll be taking your calls at the bottom of the night. I'm taking your calls now for about another five minutes at 631-451-1039. If you want to get in on the national conversation, you can pick up the phone and call me. 631-451-1039 is my number. Uh, And we'll talk about uh, what's going on in this world. But America, um, I'm still on this uh, Obama created this third world country. I don't know where people get that from. Because they do walk around in the streets of America. Like the guy who called me called from a very nice part of Long Island. A place I have been many times. And it is very, very nice. It is not a third world country. And, and the, the, another guy calls in and tells me, oh, you go to Queens, you see it. No, that, that, look, yeah, I get it. You go to Flushing, Queens, it's, it's, it's like another Chinatown, uh, you know, or Asia town uh, in Queens. It's fantastic. I guarantee you that guy knew exactly what place was on his mind for noodles or dumplings or some other kind of food. Because there's all types of neighborhoods in Queens. There's a Jamaican area. There's an Indian area. There's a, an Asian area. It's fantastic. And all of those people's kids are going to be completely assimilated into this country, America, just like the Italian people's kids were assimilated into this country, just like the Germans and the Irish. Yeah, the first generation, they come here and they work hard. They open up restaurants. Thank God they open up restaurants. They bring their technology. They bring their innovation. They start companies like Google. (laughs) Thank God. And then we got a bunch of old white guys saying, oh my God, I can't believe it. I saw, I saw, uh, I saw Chinese lettering on a building in, in Flushing. It's like a third world country. No, it's not. It's not like a third world country. It's like Flushing. It's like Queens. It's like Queens always has been. And they used to say the same thing about my grandparents. And they used to say the same thing about your great, great grandparents or grandparents or parents. They're, they're not holding on to anything. They are coming here and they are doing what they know and they're trying to make a living and they're trying to live the American dream. And believe me, America, their kids are assimilating and are living the American dream. You better believe it. You better believe it. And they are working hard and they are assimilating faster than our families did. Because it's easier to assimilate now. 
but you know, I'm scared. So I say it's different. And I say Obama turned it into a third world country because he let people come here. This is America. This is how we all got here. This is who we are. We are a nation of immigrants. I think that's what, I'm pretty sure that's what he meant, right? He, he meant that he goes to Queens and he sees some. That or some that's uh, probably just run down areas that are like. Yeah. You know, oh, you mean there was never poor areas in the city of New York ever? Yeah. It's just Trump's now thinking. Obama did it? <laughs> How about Gerald Ford? Did he have anything to do with it? Or, or Ronald Reagan? Or it was all Obama's fault. No, there was never a poor area of any country. I don't know what this guy was getting at, Mike. I really don't. And I'm sure he knew a nice noodle house in Flushing because he goes there every day. Somebody had to say, oh, you got to try this, right? (laughs) Like somebody somebody had to say, come on, you know there's a place. And he's got to say City Field. Of course he's a Mets fan. (laughs) Exactly. Right? Expect nothing (laughs) less than that that from a Mets fan. He's like, oh, I got to drive past, uh, you know, two blocks in Flushing where there might be – you know, Asian lettering on a wall uh, on, a, on a restaurant. Well, maybe, you know what? Next time, don't drive past the restaurant. Go in. <laughs> Have a bite to eat. You will be pleasantly surprised. All right. 631-451-1039 is my number. I got Bob Keeler joining me on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back. America's favorite progressive, The Chris Hahn Show. All right. I am back. I'm still live. I'll take your calls again at the bottom of the hour at 631-451-1039. And don't forget to catch me uh, Saturday night on uh, Fox News at 930 with Judge Jeanine Pirro. And I'll be on again on Monday at 10 p.m. and then on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Uh, but right now, I got to bring in a good friend of mine, Bob Keeler, who uh, former uh, columnist at Newsday, still kind of writes uh, regularly for Newsday. He is—I uh, I always used to call Bob kind of like my conscious, because Bob, Bob, you are a man of faith, uh, but you are also a man of principles. And uh, and I got to ask you, Bob, what the heck is going on in this world where evangelical Christians cannot get enough of Donald Trump? Oi, it's so hard. So, I guess... 80- oi, spoken like a true Catholic. Yeah. I guess, well, we don't have as good a word as oi. Right. In Catholicism. Oi, oi is... It's a great word. I say it all the time. So, no, it's like 81% voted for Trump. And, you know, I, a friend of mine was a collaborator on a book that just came out. And uh, the author's name is Rob Shank, and the book is called Costly Grace. He's an evangelical minister, and he, he has gone through a whole, the whole long panoply of being a minister, right. anti-abortion demonstrations and so on. But he's come around to the, the view that uh, the evangelical community is way too pro-gun. He's, he's more concerned about gun control. And he tells a story in here about Trump showing up at a birthday party for Pat Robinson and trying to you know, show his evangelical vibe right. to people. And he, he's bragging about his childhood minister, <laughs> you know, uh, who he didn't realize th- this was 
the the evangelicals had already considered his childhood minister an apostate. Right. And then he shows his Bible, and the average evangelical, they write in the Bible like yep. crazy. They His look like it was brand new. Brand new. <laughs> untouched by human hands. Right, right. Of course, even... He got it out of one of his hotels. He probably didn't even buy no, it. No, it was given to him, and it had his name on the front of it. But he just... He doesn't even know how to be a pretend Christian. Right. And, but, but it's a very transactional relationship between evangelicals and Trump. They want certain things out of him. They want their Supreme Court justice. They got him. Right. Uh, they want uh, to be able to do away with the Johnson Amendment, which would allow them to endorse candidates from the pulpit. Right. The, he's moving in that direction or has already done it. So it doesn't really bother them particularly that he is a... I don't know exactly how to phrase it. He's completely not their kind of guy. No, he's he's not there. Look, he's I mean, amoral. If, if you yeah, if you just take the policy he's employing at the border right now, taking yeah, yeah. parents and children yeah, yeah. and separating them, how? Like, I'm sorry, I've read the Bible. I don't remember Jesus saying, "Suffer the little children, take them away from their mom no, it, while they're breastfeeding." Well, they think Trump thinks he may have misread the Bible and think that it really says, make the children suffer. Right. That's, but, <laughs> by the way, that is what's happening at the border now apparently is making some of the evangelicals think a little bit. Even Franklin Graham, for whom I have... Oh, he's the worst. Least, he is. By the way, he went to school right here on Long Island, the yeah. Stony Brook School. Right by my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I've talked to him, I've interviewed him. He had his share of like smoking where he shouldn't have been smoking on the roof right, and all right, that kind right. of stuff. But even Franklin Graham, although he hasn't backed away from Trump yet, has spoken out against what's happening at the border. And some of the evangelicals are really uh, upset about it. Now, uh, Mike Pence... You know, yeah. uh, liquor in chief. Yeah, right. I got in trouble for saying that on TV. They oh, said, well, "How dare you call him a bootlicker?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, he's a bootlicker." Well, he, he is. If you look up bootlicker and bootlicking in any dictionary, you will see exactly what Mike Pence is doing. And all you have to do is watch the video of Trump at the meeting where he yes. takes the water and puts it on the ground, and yeah. nanoseconds later. Yeah. So does he's Pence. got that stare whenever Trump is speaking oh and Pence is behind God. him. He's got that stare oh. like he's looking at like, the you know, divine. like an alcoholic looking at a beer. Right. Or he's in the divine presence. Right. It's it's like blasphemous. But anyway, so he spoke to the Southern Baptist Convention and it was a mixed re reaction to him. You know, uh, you would think he'd be their guy because he's very evangelical right. himself. Although he started out he pretends Catholic. to be anyway. He, he started out Catholic, and he, there's a lot of, about him that was authentically evangelical. But there were some folks in the Southern Baptist Convention that didn't want him to speak. So I don't know. There's a little bit of a, a, a rupture, possibly in the making. I don't know. But it's going to take it's going to take some doing because it is a transactional relationship, and so far he has given them or is on the way to giving them what they want. Yeah, but and let all me just, it cost them was their soul. Well, yeah, their complete soul yeah. and all of their values. That's yeah. all it cost them. Yeah, I, right. I, I just totally don't get how the uh, you know and you know. What you and I consider Christianity is Matthew twenty-five. That's all I think about. Whenever I think about my Christian faith, yeah, yeah. I think about Matthew twenty-five. And Jesus doesn't want to know about half of the stuff that these guys are talking about. Jesus says that at the end, when we're all judged, he'll be judging us on whether we fed the hungry, whether we gave right. water to the thirsty, whether we visited people in prison. Right. You know, all that stuff that, you know, we should be doing every single day. It's like the sword of Damocles hanging over our heads. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, they know that. They right. read the Bible. Well, it's the sword of Damocles if you're a Catholic. Yeah, if you're well, an evangelical, you can just ask for forgiveness on Sunday. I think that's part well, of the problem. Yeah. Well, part of it is that the evangelical... 
the way, the, the way they talk about being saved, it sounds like it's a one-time activity. Yeah. You come to Jesus on a given day, and now you're saved. Yeah. But, you know, you got to keep on being saved. you got to keep on living up to Matthew 25. So let me just read you a couple of... Go ahead, read it. I want to read a couple of quick uh, things from this book, again, called Costly Grace. And this is, uh, again, by the minister who's been... Where is he he from? Uh, He's originally from upstate New York, from Buffalo. And where does he preach now? He's not from Colorado, is he? No, he's not. Okay. All right, so here he's saying in this chapter on Donald Trump and the moral collapse, for more than 30 years, people like me had prayed, worked, and repeatedly condemned nearly everything Donald Trump represented. The fact that for most evangelicals, he now posed no problem at all was evidence of a crisis. In my estimation, the Trump phenomenon foreshadowed not only the downfall of the old guard of American evangelicalism, but perhaps the collapse of it altogether. There you go. Pretty good. Now, one more, one more quick paragraph. Something had gone terribly wrong with American evangelicalism, or perhaps I thought it had always been wrong, and I was simply seeing the problem only now. Over the 43 years I had been a Christian, the orientation of American evangelicals had shifted from what many theologians call the ultimate to the penultimate. We had descended from the high and heavenly calling in Christ to earthly politics, partisanship, and nativist rhetoric and behavior. We had traded a universal savior for all people, all humanity, and all times, and all places, for a kind of tribal deity yeah. whose only interest was to preserve and protect a single group and their peculiar culture. I think that says that it is, very says well. That says it very well. I got to read that book. It's Costly, costly Grace. Costly Grace, an evangelical It's ministry. nice. That, I mean, you write a lot of books and you come in here with somebody else's book. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a friend of mine was uh, involved or helped, helped Rob Shank to work on this book. She was a collaborator of his, Marianne Segedy mazak She was a student of mine at Columbia University uh, School of Journalism and she's a friend of mine. So uh, it's a terrific book in that it, it traces the arc of his uh, movement through evangelicalism. And you see where he's got. Yeah. He's really doubtful. Well, about I grew Trump. up, you know, I mean, I, I was born Catholic and I became an evangelical. My family became evangelical when I was in my early teens. Right. And I left the church altogether by the time I was 17. Right. I uh, haven't really gone back. Um, um, you know, I can, you know, and and I always felt that, you know, the evangelical movement was based in a set of values. And it is very clear, and it's become clear over the last 10 years. It's not just Trump, but it has become clear that it is really a partisan thing. And I was doing a, another radio show. I, I was filling in for um, a Steel. Uh, I was on Steel and Unger on, on Sirius XM a couple of months ago. And I had an evangelical minister on, and he said, you got to focus on the white in the white evangelical because it is as racist as just about anything going on right now. Yeah. And that there's some of this is all based in us versus them. And it's just a place for people who have grievances against people they feel that are, you know, taking their place in society and or at least trying to get their own place in society. Yeah. And and maybe that's the competition. And it's that scapegoating. And it's so scoting and that it's such a dangerous thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you were talking earlier to some of the callers about the immigration situation. And, you know... Jesus started his life as a fugitive. Right. You know, so shouldn't that give us a little bit of a sense of that's the way the people we should be caring about? Right. Now our country is not going to accept asylum seekers. Amazing. I mean, so if anything is going to crack this Trump evangelical marriage and send it toward the divorce that it really needs. Right. Maybe that's going to be the first. But do you think that it will? I mean, I'm looking at these pictures. Um. 
you know, uh, MSNBC sent a reporter to one of these things, and, and they, right. these, they're putting kids in prisons, basically. Yeah. At the border. Yeah. I mean, in prisons. Yeah. Kids, little children. Yeah. Um, for what? For coming to America, seeking a better life? It's so crazy. It, it, it is disgusting. And, and by the way, and I have said this before, this is not about protecting the border. This is about racism. The only way you could do that to somebody is if you don't think that they're a human being. The only exactly. way you could take a woman who's breastfeeding her child and take her child away from her is if you look at her then less than human. Yeah, we're othering them. It is dis- we're othering them. It's disgusting yeah, to yeah. me. It's sad. I cry for America. I, I am I am like I'm blown away by this. And I, I don't understand how good evangelicals well, maybe we'll get rid of Roe v. Wade. Well, lots oh. of luck with that. I don't know if it's gonna happen or not, but you know, this has got to stop and Trump is hiding behind the flag. That's what pisses me off. Yeah. Today, today is flag day. I don't believe in flags. My my brother Richie was in was sent to Korea, Korea to Vietnam. Uh, I got lucky with, enough to be sent to Korea because he went to Vietnam, and uh, he contra- he was exposed to Agent Orange. And when he came back to this country, his friends found him dead one day in his apartment. Wow. At age thirty six. And I had to go identify his body. I, all I could see that, you know, because his body had been decomposing for a couple of days, all I could see was the, chin, the cleft in his chin. I went to the funeral parlor for his funeral, and there's an American flag on top of the coffin. Yeah. And I was just, I was filled with rage at that moment because I, it finally dawned on me what had happened here. He had, we had this phony, wicked war that he was sent yeah. to, took his life for no reason. He died for nothing. Right. So I took the flag off the coffin and I threw it into the base of the bottom of a closet. My, my family was really ticked off at me because they felt that he deserves the honor of the flag. Right, right. So anyway, that was the start of me not being b- believing in flags. That was the start of m- my movement from being a, a gung-ho second lieutenant, first lieutenant in the Army. And you served. I, I was there, although I, didn't, I don't even like the word serve in connection with military because I think of service, I think of Jesus, our great brother. So Jesus says, I come not to... Uh, be served, but to serve. So right. to use that word in connection with an institution whose main job is to kill people, right? It it doesn't sit that well with me. So you know, so I'm working on a book myself. Probably if it ever comes out, which I sincerely doubt, because I can't even imagine. Uh, either a publisher or an agent looking at it and say, oh, this is a very commercial book. Yeah. So the book would be called Camo Nation, and the title comes from the camouflage gear that uh, gets worn at baseball games nowadays, like at City Field, right. Monday nights, mon- Military Monday, you see the players wearing the camouflage uniforms, right? It doesn't really work because when the Mets stink, you can still see them. Right, so, right, right, right. But the idea is we bow down. They need down. to get like, uh, like really just wear green. They should green. wear a black hood right. over their head. Yeah. So you can't see them at all. But uh, so, but that's endemic throughout our society now. The uh, Pentagon paid the, the NFL like $2 million to stage these patriotic things, right. fly over by jets and stuff. And that's what Trump is doing. He's using the, the flag. We have to salute yeah. our blue, beautiful flag. Well, I, let's let's talk about it. By the way, I'm talking to Bob Keeler. He used to be a columnist at Newsday. You still write for Newsday kind of occasionally. I, uh, yeah. I mean, you pop uh, in there once in a while. Uh, about churchy stuff. Well, right. Politics, politics, politics and church and things like that yeah, yeah. and what's going on in the world. Some of what I write, he, they don't want to see anymore, but that's right. okay. He writes some books. You see him all over the place. Bob's a great guy. I've known him for years. He's one of my favorite one of my favorite people. I, you know, I, I really do. You know, He's got a lot of deeply held beliefs. Not all that I agree with, but uh, but you, you, you they, they all come from a place of honesty, which is all you can ever ask for somebody's opinion. But let's talk about this whole Trump, NFL, kneeling with the flag. Now, I, for one, have always said, 
uh, you know, I stand when they play the anthem, but I thank God I live in a place where I don't have to. Yeah. And and I always thought that those protests were kind of, you know, good. They were kind of like tame. Yeah. It's like the guy's taking a knee to draw attention to a problem. He's not necessarily saying, I hate the military or I hate the flag or yeah. I hate America. He's making it all about the military. And that's the right. trick that they use. Right. So go back to the first Gulf War. George H.W. Bush, Poppy Bush. Uh, was looking around to get people to support this war, and he said, "You know, if you don't support this, if you don't support this war, you're dishonoring the troops. It's like spitting on them, like right. what happened to them in Vietnam. But it didn't happen. There's a right. book. There's didn't a book really book. happen in Vietnam either. That's what right. I mean. In Vietnam, there's a book called The Spitting Image by a guy from Holy Cross College, which makes the case that it, that with this whole spitting on thing didn't didn't right. happen. Right. And yet people repeat it. I was at an event recently with the, the General Petraeus. You remember General Petraeus? Yeah." Uh, showed up and he asked, how many Vietnam veterans were in the room? And like 10 guys raised their hand. And he said, I want to thank you guys for being so nice to the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans for because when they came home, because when you came home, you were spat upon. Well, were you there, General? Couldn't right. you just ask them how many guys here were spat upon? I wouldn't think no no. And no you, were, you served in the Army. Uh, you don't want me to say served. You worked in the Army? I worked in <laughs> the Army. What am I going to say? I got a paycheck. You were the in the Army. I was in the Army <laughs> three and a half During years. Vietnam. Yeah, I was in the Army in Vietnam. During Vietnam, but I got sent to Korea. Right, but you technically are a Vietnam era vet. I'm a Vietnam era, and vet. you probably came home in your uniform at some point. Right, I did anybody out, spit I, at you? No, no. When but you I walk down the, the street in your uniform, did everybody no. say, "Hey, killer!" No. and throw a can of coke at you? No. I, in fact, I threw out the uniform the next day. It was my dress blues. And I, I put it in the garbage can in front of the house, and I think some homeless guy came by, and he's probably wearing those dress blues to wow, the very day. Yeah, he's getting some good use out of it. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's, it, I, my experience in the military is that there's, a, you know, there's good people and bad people in the military. What I really hate is when people run on this idea of, vote for me, I'm a vet. So Tom Croce. Well, hold on. I don't, want to, I don't like to talk about local politics. Okay, actually. okay. So, I, don't, I don't get into that here. Okay. But so, I, you know, you talk generally about yeah, it. Yeah, but I mean. when people say, vote for me, I'm a vet. Right. It's really spurious because let's face it, who else was a vet? Lee Harvey Oswald was a vet, presidential assassin. Right. Uh, you know who's not a vet? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, cannibal. You right. Know. Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma City bomber. So there's good vets and there's bad vets. There's vegetarian vets. There's cannibalistic vets. So if a guy says to you, vote for me because I'm a vet, yeah. Say to him, what else you got? So did they vote for Jimmy Carter or because he was a vet? He was a vet. Right. Yeah. No, Jimmy they, Carter was a vet. The By the way, <laughs> military leadership is is not... How about John Kerry? How did yeah. he do with oh, his man, veterans? That was so you know what I mean? John Kerry had his Purple Heart, Silver Star. Uh, did you vote for him because he was a vet? Oh, like, man. this is the thing. It is a right-wing nonsense. Yeah, it is. They do what they do when it suits them. It's yeah, yeah. all they care about. They are hypocrites to the core. John Kerry, who served admirably in Vietnam got wounded, got the Silver Star, did all sorts of great things. They tore his military record I apart. Know, I know. Right? Yet you see these Republicans out there, it's almost only Republicans. Yeah. Vote for me, I'm a vet. Let me, let me tell you a story. One time I, I, uh, I was really upset to learn that the No Child Left Behind Act about education had a, a, a requirement in there that if you're a school district and you don't give all of your all of your school all of your children's contact information to the local recruiting office, you could lose federal funding. Right. So moms would come home in the, middle, in the late afternoon from work and they'd find a, a full dress marine sitting there talking to getting their kid to right. try and get it. So I called up the congressman who put this. His name was David Vitter. He later became a, a yeah. He became a senator, senator and, and he had a was, prostitution. Uh, 
problem. Him and the evangelicals still supported him. Yeah, for yeah, some yeah. So David right. Vitter, I went through the whole interview with him. He told me he wanted the military to be on equal footing with corporate America so that the kids could join the military if they wanted to, blah, 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 serve their country, blah, blah, blah. I said, so tell me about your military service, Congressman Vitter. And of course, he didn't. He was right. never in. No. So all of these guys, it's called chicken hawk. I got in big trouble one time for referring to George Bush as a chicken hawk. So he shows up at uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and he's wearing a nice leather jacket with the uh, screaming the eagles jacket, thing. Yeah. yeah, with the screaming eagles patch on the right shoulder. Flying over you, Alabama. When you wear the white the patch on your right shoulder, it means you've been in combat with this unit, and he wasn't. So I referred to him as a chicken hawk. And you know, there's another meaning for chicken hawk. But the one I'm talking about is people who love war except they. Don't want to be in it. That right. makes them chicken hawks. Well, that's John Bolton. John or, Bolton. Or, or National Security yeah, Advisor, yeah. who is a maniac. Yeah, oh, well, I know. I know him. I've been in many rooms yeah, with yeah. John Bolton in my career. And he is not... This is a guy who wants to go to war. Yeah. He wants to go to war. Well, he wants somebody else to go to war. Yeah. He wants to send this country to war. He's never been to war himself. He right. was at Harvard when you were in Vietnam. Yeah. Right? So he, you know, he's the classic definition of a neocon chicken hawk. Yeah. Never been to war. Wants everybody to go to war. He's sitting to the right hand of the president right now on all these military issues. Right. Let me tell you something. They want to bomb North Korea. Yeah. That is the ultimate game here. Yeah. They are going to bomb them. Don't At forget, some point. By the way, don't forget, the, there's so many nicknames for, for you know, the current president. Spanky is one I like. But the one that Tammy Duckworth, who's a, who lost her legs in Iraq, right. gave him was Cadet Bone Spurs. Yeah. Because it was a Bone Spurs that allegedly kept him from being in the military, but didn't apparently do much to keep him from golfing. Right. No, he kept golfing and, and, uh-huh. and you know, running around Manhattan. And he, right. And he, chasing and after women. This is a guy who called... The, the the sexual revolution in the 70s, his personal re- Vietnam. Right. He said that uh, avoiding... Uh, talk S- about disrespecting troops. Avoiding STDs was the, his personal Vietnam, and it, he, he thought of himself as a very brave soldier. Yeah. Just yeah. like he thinks of himself as a very stable he genius. He's very strong, too. He's a very strong, strong, strong guy, and he likes strong men uh, like uh, Kim Jong-un. By the way, if he were in the military, I would like to see him, you know, in basic training, we had to do pull-ups to get into the <laughs> mess hall. You had to do like 10 pull-ups or they would let you into the mess hall. Given his size, given his girth, the girth of a nation, you could say. Right. You know, there's no way he gets time. into the mess hall. Well, he wasn't know? always that big. No, Let's he get... wasn't, but he's getting bigger and bigger. Every all single day. Every yeah. day. All right, Bob, I got like 15 seconds left with you. What do you want to plug? You want to plug the book again? Uh, Costly Grace, Rob Schenk is the author, An Evangelical Minister's Rediscovery of Faith, Hope, and Love. It's a good book for this time. And maybe someday I'll have a book called Camo Nation. I hope you do. That's Bob Keeler, America. Don't forget, I don't have a Twitter handle for him because he is not on Twitter, but I'm on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn. I'll be back taking your calls. Other side of this break at 631-451-1039. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back. The Chris Hahn Show. All right. I am back. I'm live. I'm taking your calls for the next uh, half hour or so. 631-451-1039. 
is my number if you want to be part of the national conversation. Don't forget to watch me Saturday night on Justice with Judge Dean at uh, 9.30 on the Fox News Channel, maybe 9.20. Tune in. I'll be on. I'll be on in the 8 o'clock hour, excuse me, the 10 o'clock hour on Monday and the 8 o'clock hour on Tuesday, also on Fox News. Follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn, and you could uh, watch it in your leisure. I usually click. Uh, I'll usually tweet out the appearances. You'll see what's going on. But 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. All right. Let's get back to Trump and his uh, his trip abroad. You know, I like honest Trump. I like when Trump shows us his honest side. And, of course, Trump uh, doing his press conference. And this is why he, he needs to do more press conferences, this president, Mike. I mean, he's got to do, do a press conference like every day. We get honest Trump. Uh, and Trump talking about what might happen in the next uh, six months or so. Play number one for me. Honestly, I think he's going to do these things. I may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find a, <laughs> I'll find some kind of an excuse. Okay, one or two, one more. Come on. I'll find some kind of an excuse. I'll make something up. You know, I'll make something up. And, and all the lemmings in Congress will believe me. Or they'll say, yes, Mr. President, yeah, that's what happened. Yes, oh, yes. Uh, uh, Kim Jong-un got the flu and he couldn't make it happen. And uh, now he's crazy. I mean, guys, does that say it all? I'll make up some sort of excuse. You know, like the excuse he's going to have to make up when he doesn't build that wall and get Mexico to pay for it. By the way, how about the irony of the week this week? Uh, yesterday, FIFA, uh, the World Cup is started, started yesterday or today, actually, in Russia. And uh, the president of FIFA announced who will host the 2026 World Cup. And it will be the United States, Mexico, and Canada together. <laughs> yeah, we're not good enough to get our own, but we'll take a little. Uh, I mean, think about this. After the week we've had, the president bashing Mexico, the president bashing Me- uh, Canada, the president will not be president in 2026 under no circumstances other than him becoming a dictator for life, which, by the way, he also praised President Xi of China for becoming president for life. The only way Donald Trump is going to be president for life if he doesn't make it six years, you know, uh, you know, he's not physically fit. Uh, I don't wish this on him. Don't write me. I hope he lives a healthy, long life. I hope he, you know, he plays golf into his well into his hundreds. Um, but yeah, irony of the week. But this is the thing. I'll make, up some, I'll make up some sort of excuse. I won't ever admit it happened. I'll make up some sort of excuse. Yeah, he'll make up an excuse, America. He will tell you some cockamamie thing. And 25% of America will believe every word he says. That's the problem. He admits to you on a regular basis that he's full of you know what. And you still believe him. Why? Mike, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm like, I'm perplexed. Like, if I told you every day that I was full of it, and then I said, believe me, which, by the way, he loves to say, believe me. And whatever he says, believe me, don't believe him. Basically, what anyone says, don't believe me, don't believe that. Whenever somebody says, believe me, don't trust believe me, them. Trust, trust me. me means don't trust me. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's just a bad sales technique. 
I mean, this is a guy, and by the way, I don't know if you saw the video. I mean, it's been a week of like of, of amazing news stories. I mean, I haven't even talked about Michael Cohen firing his lawyers today, seemingly to cooperate with Mueller. We haven't talked about the inspector general's report about the Hillary exam thing that said that Comey, you know, acted inappropriately by releasing you know, that letter, you know, 11 days before the election and even giving that press conference itself. There's so much going on. You know, of course, the president's going to talk about the two people texting to each other, the two people having an affair texting and saying, you know, we got to stop Trump. Oh, we will. I mean, like that was actually like they actually had the power to do that. The inspector general's report said they didn't act on that. They didn't actually do anything to stop Trump. It's an amazing week of news. It moves at the speed of light. And the president, while he was in uh, Singapore for the North Korea uh, um, uh, conference, gave Kim Jong-un a video that looked like it could have been a timeshare video for like some vacation property. Join the rest of the world. It was, guys, I mean, I, I, it's, it's true. I, I couldn't make this stuff up. I couldn't make it up. I couldn't make it up. This is the world we're living in right now. This is how fast things are changing right now. This is the world we're living in. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. I got a little bit of time left with you tonight. 631-451-1039. At Christopher Hahn on Twitter if you want to get in on the national conversation that way. At Christopher Hahn on Twitter. That's H-A-H-N. Christopher spelled the normal way. And don't forget to watch me on Fox News Saturday night at 9, Monday at 10, and Tuesday at 8. I'm pretty sure those are the exact times I'm supposed to be on, but check me on Twitter and uh, I'll give you all the details there. That's the best way to follow me. Follow me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram too, but I don't know my username. So <laughs> I, I know I'm on there at some point. I check it once in a while. Every now and then I'll, I'll post a picture of me on Instagram. I'm not a great Instagrammer. Are you an Instagram guy? Yes. You are. Do you do more Instagram than Twitter at this yeah, point? Yeah, I basically don't even do Twitter. You really? Yeah. See, I have I, I have lose. thousands of followers on Twitter. I have like a couple hundred on Instagram, but I don't use Instagram. That's the thing. I gotta yeah. start tweet. I gotta start Instagramming. Yeah, I really don't have much to say. So <laughs> I just do pictures because you know, especially with the new show and everything like that. You know, I got pictures of the bandmates. I have like previews and all that stuff. I do like the stories. You but know. how do you tell people? Isn't it just a picture of it? It's or a you picture gotta, and you, it's a little caption underneath. You know, oh, you put, just put the caption underneath. Put a caption and you do a bunch of tags after that, and then uh, you know people find you. Hmm. hmm. It's just better that way. Is this what all the kids are doing now? All the kids are doing. All the kids are doing the Instagram. Yeah, it's more Instagram than Twitter because you know sometimes you know you get a Twitter could put your foot, foot in your mouth and you know, yeah. But what if you take a picture that's ridiculous? You know you don't post it. You, you make sure the picture. Like, what am I supposed to take a picture of? Like the studio? I used to, I once well, was you know, on Instagram well, taking a picture of this clock. What, what I would do is I would do like a story. So everyone on, on a story, it's like an instant hit. So it's a video right there, like being live, basically. Right. So you live, you're like, oh, you know, Chris Hahn coming live right now. Thursday, tune in right now, one three nine, and you know, promote the show. Oh, all right. So I do right. that. I do that on Sundays before my thing. You don't do an Instagram for me before my show. No, you don't just say, "Hey, I'm about to produce the Chris I don't Hahn talk. show." <laughs> well, I just do put talk. a little, I you know, hey, there's, I'm here in the studio doing the Chris Hahn show. You should tune on. in, right. man. I got Call you. in, get part of the national. I mean, I don't need everybody to hate me that calls in. I'd like to have a few young liberal type people calling in. You know, hipsters. 
I, I consider you kind of a hipster. Are you a hipster? Not at all. No? No. You got a beard. I have a, yeah, because I'm a beard is really a hipster. <laughs> I thought all hipsters have beards and all young guys. I'm not, I'm not really a liberal either, so. Well, you're kind of like a, you're kind of like. I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a common sense guy. You yes. Know, you know, I'm for some things, I'm against some other things. Right. So that's basically, you know. Right, right. You so. don't really have, you're not really political. It's not your thing. No, Although you work at this political news station. I do. And I, I, I have beliefs in, you know, I have strong beliefs in things, but you know, it's. My business, you know. Exactly. All right. You're not here to, to shout it from the rooftop. I don't have I mean, to. Exactly. You know, if, like if, put if, a if megaphone. You want to start yelling about it? Well, we'll yell about it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's your thing. You know, someone's still trying to steal your stick. It's my stick. You don't <laughs> yell about rock. <laughs> I gotta tell you, you gotta go down to thirty. What is it? Eighty nine North. Eighty nine North. Right now. Eighty nine North and watch rock bands. If you're not going eighty nine North, you are not American. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's basically how it goes. All right. I hear you. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. I'll try to post something on. Instagram at some point. I, I, I probably only posted like 60 times. I do Snapchat a lot too, so. Do people still do that? Yeah. But that, it just disappears, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But I do, I do the same thing. Basically, I'll snap, snap like me working on, the, working on the show or me editing stuff and you know, just like, you know. So if people don't see it immediately, it's gone forever. It's 24 hours. So right. That's all it is, yeah. It's gone forever. So huh. that's, that's more, it's more promoting my own show as well. It's like, oh, guys, tune in today, blah, blah, blah. Or tune in for the rerun or check out the new thing on this new thing I posted. I don't have a Snapchat. I don't have it's a Snapchat. Right. Like Facebook Live, you can do that stuff with two. It's, it's all the same. It's all the same program, right. basically. You know? Right. I mean, I, when I do an Instagram, it shows up on my Facebook and yes. my Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. So, so that's, that's the same thing. I got it all linked. Go. I mean, that's that, that that I'm all set up on. But I just don't, you know, I just don't know what to shoot. Like, you know, people think you're in you're in TV, you're on the radio, you got this glamorous lifestyle. I do most of my TV from my basement. I can't even take a picture of it because it's so disgusting. My wife would kill me. It's okay. You got your own, right. you got your own little studio. Right. I got a little studio. And trust me, I got like a monitor, you know, so that I could see what I'm, you know, yeah. I could center up my shot. I got a uh, monitor under the camera. It is on like um, like a crate. Did they give you a camera or you to buy your own camera? Like they gave me, it's all set up. They I, I paid for nothing in that. But it's right. a, it's a, but I, but like, you know, it's in my space and uh-huh. I didn't have a book table down in my basement to put the, uh, the monitor on. So it's just like on a, Crate, like crate, yeah. <laughs> like it's something I've got like in the basement, like you know, like it's got my wife's old sweaters in it or something. I don't, no, hey, you man, know. if it works, it works. It's you know, nonsense, and you know, the exterminator's got to go down there. It's just, it's, it's not glamorous. Just be, just be careful about the TV and all the equipment. Yeah, I'm spray I'm just around it for the night that I'm down there, like a mice, like a mouse crawls right. over my bookcase and knocks over the picture of Obama or something. Right, oh, everybody, great. people call into the show and complain about the picture of Obama I have behind me. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I think Obama was one of the greatest presidents of my lifetime. And every time I see him on TV, I get I get a little choked up. I'm sorry. I miss him. I think about what we have now, what we used to have. By the way, I get choked up when I see George W. Bush. And I couldn't stand George W. Bush. But, man, at least he believed in the norms. I don't think George W. Bush would be saying, you know, the, we kill people too. I don't think we would get that out of him. I don't think he'd be, he'd be celebrating the fact that uh, the, uh, that, uh, the president of China is president for life. I don't think he would be talking about that in a positive like the current president has. The American norms, that's what is the problem here. I'll tell you what, you know what, it, it, it's, it's, just, it's just a lot of nonsense. Uh, it, it, it's lost on me. And, it, it, you know, I'm going to go back to this Bob Corker quote, uh, Mike. I mean, I want to play number two in a second because I, I, he hit the nail on the head. He hit the nail on the head about what's happening in this country. Play number two again. We're in a strange place. I mean, it's almost uh, uh, 
you know, been a, it's becoming a cultish thing, isn't it? Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good place for any party to, to end up with a cult-like situation as it relates to, uh, to, to a president that uh, happens to be of purportedly of the, of the same parties. And he also said on the floor of the Senate yesterday that he'd have more support for his bills or his amendments, but his fellow senators are afraid of poking the bear, meaning that Trump's the bear, and if you poke him, he's going to react negatively. I mean, America, and and this, look, Bob Corker's being honest because Bob Corker's not running for re-election. Let's be clear here. A lot of these guys that are not running for re-election uh, are being honest. Mark Sanford lost his election the other night, Tuesday night, his uh, primary. The president tweeted against him, and he lost. And I think a lot of other Republicans are worried about that. They're worried that this president is going to say something about them if they oppose this president, and they will lose their election. So they are abdicating their duty their responsibility, their reason for being, frankly, so that they could stay in the title of congressman. Why are you a congressman then? If the only reason you're a congressman is to stay a congressman, you are a failure. You are failing your constituents. You are failing the Constitution. You are failing America. If your goal is just to stay there, just to be there, that is not a goal. That's just, it's pathetic. You are afraid of poking the bear? You're afraid to challenge the president when he says outrageous and outlandish things, when he does outrageous and outlandish things? What's going to happen when this guy fires Robert Mueller? And believe me, America, I think that's coming very, very soon. I would say in the next three weeks. Write it down. In the next three weeks, this president will fire Robert Mueller or fire Bob Rosenstein and do something to end this investigation into him. What is Congress going to do? They're going to roll over and play dead. That's what they're going to do. That's what the Republican-led Congress is going to do. They're going to roll over and play dead. They're going to make up some pathetic excuse of why they support the president in this action. You watch. The only question you should be asking this November for anyone running and asking you for their vote Will you be a proper check on the president? Because right now, we do not have one. Paul Ryan's retiring. Why don't you start acting like a man and be a check on the president? I don't get it. There's no Republican Party anymore. There is the Trump Party in Washington. They do and they say what Trump wants them to do and say, or they are, are they, they're gone. I mean, he is purging his party 
of anyone that disagrees with him. He is per, I mean, Sanford didn't disagree that much. He was barely disagreeable with this president. And he's gone. And the president helped push him out. America. America. Think about what this country is. Think about basic elementary school civics. The duty of Congress is to be a check on the president. We have checks and balances. Each co-equal, we have three co-equal branches of government performing a constitutional duty to check the other one. And Congress's job is to check this president. And it is not doing it. Now, this is why, you know, I was on Laura Ingram last week and I had the great Frank Luntz debating me. Remember that guy? And I said to Frank, I've looked at the polls and even people who, tr- who, who like Donald Trump don't trust him. And that is why there'll be a blue wave in November because they don't trust him and they want somebody watching him. They want to make sure that this guy is not going to blow up this country. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. He's a dangerous guy. He does not prepare. He is not curious about the facts. He acts on instinct and on his gut. And if you look at his career, he's been wrong a lot. Probably more than he's been right. He's gone bankrupt several times by acting on instinct. So I, you know, he's got, and by the way, he went bankrupt several times in an industry he had a lot of experience in. So now he's in a job he has no experience in. He was not prepared for. And he's acting on instinct, trusting his gut. I don't trust that. I want somebody watching him. I want a check and a balance on him. And right now we don't have it. We have a Congress that just rolls over and plays dead every time the president says something. They pretend they didn't hear. They like, you know, they they put their hands over their ears and go, la, 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 la. We can't afford to let that continue. We can't afford to let that continue in America. You can't have this guy acting on gut with no experience go unchecked, unwatched, unexamined. We got a Congress that shuts down investigations because they don't want to know the answers. And I haven't even touched on the potential criminal activity going on here. It's nonsense. It's got to end. We got to make sure that the checks and balances in this country work. So make sure you're asking that very important question. I know there's a lot of primaries coming up. And then there'll be elections soon. So you got to ask the question. You got to make it happen. All right. 
I want to thank you again all for listening, and I want to remind you to seek the truth. Question everything. Question everyone, America, even me. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. If we all light up, we can scare away the dark. Wish our weekdays away, spend our weekends in bed. We drink ourselves stupid, we work ourselves dead, and all just because that's what mom and dad said. The Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This episode was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Brian Walters, the senior producer here, and on behalf of everybody who worked on this show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. Boom! Boom!